I am so excited to welcome Bronwyn Harcourt all the way from Australia onto the podcast today. For reference, this episode was recorded on September 27th in the United States, the 28th in Australia of 2021. Bronwyn is a principal at Croydon Community School, a position she has held for 21 years. Since 2008, Bronwyn has also managed a range of engagement, re-engagement, and capacity building programs across Melbourne's eastern suburbs under the name of Options on behalf of the Department of Education and Training. In previous years, she also managed a re-engagement program for children and young people who had been forced from their homes by domestic violence and another program that redirected impulsive and violent children so that they could engage in learning. Bronwyn was pivotal in developing a suite of martial arts therapy programs for children and young people, including peer education for students at Croydon Community School, teaching the code of be strong, be calm, be kind, try hard to students at other schools and enabling them to adopt impulse management strategies into their lives. Croydon Community School is a proud member of the Big Picture Education Network in Australia and passionately delivers personalized, inclusive education for its students, meeting them at their point of need and interest. The uniqueness of every student is valued and celebrated. Bronwyn's goal is that every young person who graduates from Croydon will know their worth and make positive change in their worlds. In 2013, she was the DET Victorian Excellence Award Secondary Principal of the Year. She is widely recognized for her knowledge and effective education strategies for disengaged and at-risk children and young people. Her skills are frequently sought out by schools, organizations, DET, and government to contribute to their planning. Bronwyn is a fellow of Australian Council for Educational Leaders at both the Victorian and National Branch level, was a finalist in Harold Sun Pride of Australia Medal in 2012. She was a board member of the Outer Eastern Local Learning Network for 13 years, a member of the Ministerial Advisory Committee on Out-of-Home Care at the invitation of Minister Makakos, and a member of the School Leaders for Gender Equality and Respect to Prevent Gender-Based Violence and Sexism established by the Education Minister the Honorable James Merlino in 2017. She has a master's in educational administration, a graduate diploma in special education, and her bachelor's comes from health, physical education, and recreation. So excited to welcome on Bronwyn Harcourt. I'm Lindsay Lyons, and I love helping school communities envision bold possibilities, take brave action to make those dreams a reality, and sustain an inclusive, anti-racist culture where all students thrive. I'm a former teacher leader turned instructional coach, educational consultant, and leadership scholar. If you're a leader in the education world, whether you're a principal, superintendent, instructional coach, or a classroom teacher excited about school-wide change like I was, you are a leader. And if you enjoy nerding out about the latest educational books and podcasts, if you're committed to a lifelong journey of learning and growth and being the best version of yourself, you're going to love the Time for Teachership podcast. Let's dive in. Bronwyn Harcourt, welcome to the Time for Teachership podcast. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm so excited to have you on. And I, I read your professional bio at the start of the episode, but is there anything else that you want to say to further either introduce yourself or to share more details about, you know, the school that you work on, the students that you that you serve? Um, I, I, I think the biggest thing for me is that it's, it's never what one person does. It's how a, a team operates together and how they um, enable others to um, 
to do that work collaboratively. So for me, it's whatever it is that are my achievements, I actually am not particularly fond of sharing and celebrating them. Um, my celebrations are more about what the young people who have been through my school have achieved um, and what they continue to achieve. So, so yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. And it's very much in the spirit of kind of what we, what we talk about on the podcast too, in the realm of shared leadership and, and all of that. So that's perfect. As we think about like the dreams that we all hold and kind of what we're all striving for as we work in these educational spaces, I love Dr. Bettina Love's uh, quote about freedom dreaming. She says they're dreams grounded in the critique of injustice. And I just find that really powerful. And with that in mind, you know, I'd love to ask you, what is the big dream that you hold for the field of education? Um, that whatever school young people go to, that they are treated as individuals and not factory fodder, that they become more um, engaged in their learning, more interested in it, more curious, more um, wanting to find out what's out there more like four-year-olds than like that love of learning that we knock out of them um and I guess that you know the big dream I hold is that we have more creative persistent brave courageous leaders who are willing to say well, hang on I hear what you're telling me to do but the people I actually serve are the young people and it's them who I need to be um, making sure that I'm translating whatever it is that you want me to do into something that is useful to them and not just to you. Um, I think that, you know, I, I've, I work in the uh, a public school and um, I very much hold that I serve the public. And as much as it is the bureaucrats who pay my salary and send me the policies and the complaints and whatever else it is that they wanted to send, it is the students who I serve. And, um, uh, you know, that, that the community that they form and that we try and build so that when they leave, they biggest qualities that they take away are that they are change makers in their local communities like they raise happy health children that they um, make others feel good that they are happy in in what it is that they want to be pursuing in their life that they have choice and I think um, for me that's probably um I'm very much a values-driven leader rather than a we must all reach this point and, yay, look, I can advertise that my school has got 95% of its students to the, in Australia we have the ATAR, which is for university entry. Um, you know, like those things to me, it's... There's so many bad things that have resulted in schools reaching that point that I um, would like them to not, that not be the way that I lead my school. So, uh, yeah, it, that it changes, 
I guess that's my big dream, that it changes, that young people walk out their front door to whatever school they choose to go to and it provides for them um, wholeheartedly in everything that they individually need, not, not on the basis of equality or equity, but on the basis of inclusion. So, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that dream. And it, it makes me think of a couple questions, I think, related to one another. So one is, I love that you said you're a values-driven leader. And so I'm I'm almost wondering, typically the next question I ask is, you know, what mind shifts are required? So like, when we're thinking about someone coming from that traditional, maybe school, like you're saying, we want to change from what it has historically been. Are there like mindset shifts that someone has to undergo as they come into your school and have this more like personalized approach to teaching and giving those students that choice? Um, you know, is, is there something that they undergo? And then I think a related question is, or I don't know if this is an and or, but, or do you end up hiring for the values that teachers bring into the school and see if those are truly aligned with how the values that you hold as a school and how you lead? We actually um, put in our job advertisements um, that at the very front, this job is not for everyone. And we have to do it through a, there's a system called recruitment online that my department requires us to advertise all through. And um, after their normal guff, we put this position is not for everyone. Um, we are looking for a teacher with the, the qualities of, and usually, you know, we'll list particular qualities because we don't don't even want everyone to have the same qualities because um, we have a very diverse student cohort and um, much like a, a baseball team that's full of pitchers, there's no one to catch the balls or field them or bat. So we need, we need that diversity of strengths in order to be able to provide for a diversity of students um, and to remind all of us on staff that there are other perspectives as well. That's a, 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 an important one. I think that the biggest mind shift, uh, mindset shift is to go from closed to open. That's, uh, you know, just that very simple one of you know, in not... We can't. Right? One incredibly powerful word, I think, is, you know, it's like yet. And sometimes new staff go, what? Okay. Yet. We can't do that yet. What steps can we put in place in order to make that happen? Because that's what, you know, that's our end goal. And um, sometimes it, is, it can be confusion, I think, in their minds. and. I was trying to bring it down to um, um, concrete ideas that, that they can relate to. So uh, an example I was using just in the last term with a staff member is they were feeling really frustrated and we are officially the most lockdown city on the planet and in our sixth lockdown. So we've got staff at the moment who are exhausted trying to deliver and not just trying but delivering personalized individualized learning um, remotely um, to highly vulnerable young people and you know it just got to the point where you know I can't I can't and I just said to them I know what drives you is 
at home and it's it's 20 kilometers away yet you ride an a bike here to get here every day and if i said to you that the the bike track was blocked at a particular point what what would you do and you'd say well i'd go around it this way and what what if that way is blocked well i'd find another way around because your ultimate goal is to be at home with your children and your wife who you love and they said yeah and i said well it's the the same thing here we don't have to change our goal we just look and go oh there's a barrier can i get over this or around it or do i you know um reroute completely so i think that the the that yet is important how can we not why can't we and and uh, you know it doesn't mean everything's always possible sometimes it can be it's like you know it's like yeah i'd really still want to do that but at this point in time um i don't have everything in place to progress it and and it just becomes about well i'll park it it doesn't go away i just park it and approach it as much as i can and then come back to it you know never forget about it just constantly come back to it have have exercise books just got ideas written on the front of them um and i started those uh in like the 1980s and i and i look at them and i see how um I go, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, we've got that grounded. Oh, that's right. I wanted to do that. Or, yeah, we're getting closer to that. But I, I notice how my, my values have never changed over that period. Like, they've constantly been, um, even though I've been in different schools and different systems even, that my, my values haven't changed. So, but, yeah, I think that... Um, Close to open and add the word yet to most responses that you have. Um, that's sure excellent. Yeah, that's that's excellent. I love that. Add the word yet and close to open. I also love, there's so much in, in what you just shared that I love. I love your ideas book. I, I found that I, I never thought of it like that, but I find little scraps of paper that I had written ideas on and, and collect them. And there's so much value in looking back on them to be able to say I succeeded in this. And and I just think that would be a really cool practice too for, for colleagues and also for students to be able to just have those reflective moments, um, thinking about specific brave actions that either colleagues could take, leaders could take. Um, what, what would you recommend people do as they're kind of working towards this dream that you've described and doing these you know, shifts from closed to open and, and using words like yet yeah, at the end of responses what are the specific steps that you would encourage someone listening to this episode who's like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to start doing that stuff, but I just don't know what it looks like in practice? What would you say to, to those folks? And I think that the, the changes before you see them in, in practice in what you're doing, they have to be in um, within yourself, within your own mind. So the it's too hard has to leave your vocabulary. Um, I think the the question becomes more <coughs> um, is is this the right thing to do? Yes, then that's what I'm going to do, even though it's hard. And um, 
to me, I I find that it, it can leave it can leave you very much um, alone, I guess, or by yourself. Sometimes you're the one standing there, and everyone else is a little bit shy or nervous about coming forward because there there is a cost, and everyone. Um, everyone who's doing it, they have to assess what their cost is. So the cost for a young teacher may be, well, I'm, uh, you know, I can make these changes in my classroom. I'm not at this point where I'm changing the system, but you're changing everything for those um, students in your classroom. So you are changing the system. Um, and their ability to speak up versus um, mine, I guess, and I go, well, is this the right thing to do? And for me, the loss of uh, stepping off that what's the right thing to do is, is a greater cost for me personally because I live with me. So that's a greater cost personally than, um, than other things. You know, for others it may be, well, you know, but I, this is what would I do without this pay and I, I can't keep arguing this argument and uh, you know my principles never going to change the way they think and those around me aren't it's, it's well what what elements do you have control of do you, you get to choose where you work well yeah you you do and um do you get to choose whether you're happy or not well if you don't take control of that nobody else is going to like, hey, it's my job to make you happy. It's like, it's not. It might be a clown's job to make you laugh, but not happy. So, so those things I think about, um, you know, going internally before you go externally. Um, and then just the smallest little thing. What, what's, even people think, what's, oh, I can't do all these big grandiose things. What's the smallest thing you could change? tomorrow morning, um, right now, that would make that change just to start. What's the tiniest little thing you could do? So, and it might be um, no, notice the kid who doesn't want to be noticed. Just not, hi, how are you? Just, you know, it might be, Lindsay, how's it going? Keep walking, don't wait for a response and just say that over and over and over again and um you know because barriers will take a long time to break down and um speak up in a staff meeting if that's what you want to do nod your head in a staff meeting and if you normally sit there and trying to blend into the background but um i i think ask yourself different questions what as a, as a teacher who needs your attention most? Who's communicating to you that they need your attention most? Um, and uh, usually that's the young person who's communicating in the most inappropriate way. Um, and then as a principal, I, I look and I say, okay, so my class is my staff. I'm responsible for the success, and I have this on the wall in my office. I'm success. Uh, I'm responsible for the success of every student in my school. So if someone's not achieving success, then that's on me. 
So, and I have to analyze the data and it might be, well, the, it's the approach, what approaches are we putting in place to connect with this, with this young person and to connect them to what it is they need? And then I have to step in and provide what it is that's needed and do that. How do we, how do we get it in place? So modeling, just constant modeling, but um, it's so much that has to change. Um, but I think that being a disruptor, um, take the view from those who you serve, so your students, uh, do what's right even when it's hard. Um, and I guess, you know, hey, you practice doing what's right even when it's hard when you've got choice between donuts and apples. And what's, I really want that one, but I'm going to take the apple. So, but, um, but yeah, I think that's the, yeah, they're not, to me, they're not actions as in here's a playbook, step one, you do this, step two, you do that. It's, it's um, you know what what are your what are your morals? What are your character strengths? What are the ones that you need to build on? What people do you need to draw around you to make sure that you've got a strong team in place? Um, what are you short on? Um, how do you you know where do you find what it is that you need to to add that? Um, there's no one person can be everything to everyone. And, um, you know, as a, like, I've been at my school for 21 years now and just ticked over. Happy birthday. And I, I guess, you know, going to change the world, change the planet and do all this stuff. And it's like, it's not, it's not revolution. It's evolution. It's every step forward. And sometimes it can be um, a very uncomfortable place to be in, being that person. And um, but it comes back to what what does my moral compass tell me I must do? Tell me in in order for me to be comfortable with me. So uh, that's you know people say why do you do what you do? I guess. The right thing to do. So, I think I've waffled for you, Lindsay. Sorry about that. No, that was that was brilliant. Thank you so much. And and I'm I'm curious to know. I I think one of the things that I was really excited about to to talk to you, Mitch Weathers, the person who connected us, had said oh my gosh, she has so many great stories. She has so many stories of student success or, you know, school success. And I think one of the things that I think sometimes as educators and leaders, we, we often focus on like what, what can still change, which is great because we absolutely need to do that. We need, I love that evolution piece that you brought in, right? It's one step at a time. We're constantly evolving and changing. Are there some success stories that you would want to share around like a practice that really had a great impact or, or just something that that kind of fits with the dream that you described and some sort of success towards that dream that you want to share with listeners? Um, I think um, persistence and that on character strengths, and um, which is something that I, you know, have been quite passionate about in positive education for quite a while, um, as in before I knew that they were things. Um, 
the persistence is my top character strength. And, and I know that that means I will show up and I will keep doing and I'll keep doing and I'll keep doing. But I also have learnt the hard way that the um, my greatest character weakness is persistence because I will keep showing up and I will keep doing and I'll keep doing and I'll keep doing. And it's made me unwell in the past. Um, and so I had to learn about, well, You've got some other character strengths as well. It's not, not just about that one. You need to be using the others as well. I, I am a storyteller um, because I, I think people relate well to, to stories. But the successes for me have, you know, it's not the theory of blah, 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 blah. It's the story of David or the story of... Um, Colleen or the story of um, Matthew and just knowing what they were, um, who they were as, as children when they started with us and then, you know, watching them just just open up and, and blossom. So, yeah, there's on, on our school website there's some stories there um, that, you know, a young man... Um, Matthew, who, when he commenced with us, was very, um, very shy. A lot of kids that come to us have been really badly bullied and excluded by others and teased constantly, um, you know, for their differences and rather than having their uniqueness celebrated. Um, so, you know, he, he could be lots of what we've seen with others is that they look to be invisible when they first come in. And so you'll see the, there's the cap on and then the hoodie over the top and the heads down and, and, um, uh, and it's just that, you know, giving them the chance to trust you. I don't, I, I don't deserve trust or respect because I'm a the school principal or um, I'm an adult or anything else, I, um, I have to earn those things. And I have to earn them every day um, through, you know, fairness and treating each person in the same way, which is not everyone gets treated the same. It's everyone gets what they need when they want it, um, when they need it. So I, I think that that, that um, watching them, blossom over the years is the yeah new staff come in and and they'll come in and we've got a whole bunch of year seven so grade seven who are previously been excluded from attending their primary schools they weren't allowed in for full days they would be restricted from the yard because they would behave poorly in the yard and we've taken the view of well Let's teach them how to behave in the yard and let's spend less time in the classroom and more time on personal social capabilities and um, get them ready for learning. And um, the staff in there who are new to the school are going, they're driving me crazy. It's like, why can't we have more kids like those other kids who are up there? Why can't we have more like them? And it's just like, well, those kids up there were them four, five years ago. It's just... 
you know, it's taken them 12 years to get in this position where they were at. So we can't expect just a magic flick of a magic wand or a fairy dust or whatever to change it. And if that is what would change it, then, you know, like you're not responsible for the change. Um, and I, I, I'm, I just want to present every young person with the, the possibility of, um, of change when they're ready. And that means over and over and over again. So, yeah, lots of funny stories over the years. I think I told Mitch about one as a, a young man, name of, his name's Robbie, and he was tiny, tiny. He um, came from a background of domestic violence and had seen his mum pretty well bashed by numerous significant men in his life. And um, he started, he, he was just would hang out with some other kids who were enrolled in the school and he wasn't, he was, I don't think he was grade six or five or six where he started just appearing on site. It's like, oh, obviously not connected with another school. So, um, and he's just, just kind of there and tried to speak to him and he was just in terror constantly. And used to climb up on the buildings, like a little monkey, climb up and uh, he'd sit the, the roof on the our toilet block that was at like um, high edge, but then it was a sunken space. And um, they'd got some cushions from, I don't know, hard rubbish or something and put them up there. And so when class was on, he'd scoot up there and I didn't even know he was doing this to start with, but he'd, he'd just nestle in to his, his little cubby until the kids came back out of class again or he'd go and hide in the corner in the classroom and I mean I just said just just let him be leave him be we know he's there it's okay he's safer here and um he you know slowly connected in and rather than me try and speak with him I'd just say to the kids just can you get him get him to get off the roof can you can you do that can we check that he's not uh, you know he's not about to set fire to that those cushions up there because he's smoking up on top and then uh, you know he came down and you could see him and you know the first time you see him smile it just it just hits you it's just like wow that's such an open beautiful face and and then he became this you know, the kid that doesn't know their leader, but everybody follows them. So he had this little bunch of kids following him everywhere around and they were allowed up the street. This is a long time ago. They were allowed up the street at recess to get something and they used to go up every morning and buy chocolate milk in the cardboard containers. And there was a, a younger student who'd follow him, um, meet him at the gate every morning coming back in and, Hi, Robbie, can I have some of your milk? Can I have some of your milk? And just ignore him. And then one day he, he, you know, decided he'd give it to him, give him some. But he's he's picked up a, an old nail and put it on the, in the container, just just as a, you know, like a joke or whatever. There's, um, as soon as you rattled it, you knew something was in there. But he kept 
talking while he was while he was walking, and then he put the container on the ground and he stomped it to flatten it, and managed to drive the nail right through his foot, his own foot, and pin the container to his to his foot. And all I could hear was this screaming, and then you know, go outside and someone's trying to um, uh, pull a container off his foot and just just scooped him up and took him into first aid because he was so tiny and just put his foot on my shoulder while we called for an ambulance because we couldn't transport him and hit his foot from him but just you know um and he was a he was a daily daily user of marijuana um so you know just talking to him and the ambulance arrive and they come with the magic green sticks. Do you have those in America? I don't think so. I don't know. They're whistles that are, have um, painkiller in them. So they tell you to breathe on them and send people, some people, very funny loopies. So anyhow, he was only taking short breaths in on it and um, the the ambulance officer kept saying to him, you need to take deep breaths, you need to take deep breaths. And I said to him, like you do with your bong. And the ambos looked at me. I was like, oh, just, just ignore it. Just, just, And he went, oh, Robbie went, oh, and took a big breath in. And I just, you know, it's just that you, you've got to say or provide what the right thing is at the right time. I'm not, not condoning him um, smoking marijuana and I but for him in his language in his world that made sense so you know he managed to miss everything important um all bones and stuff they just pulled the nail out of his foot he turned up to school the next day with the same pair of shoes on the same sock on with the same blood on it from the day before and um just you know, came into the office and said, "Did we have some tape so that we could tape around it?" And so, how, how about we take you up the street and find you a new pair of shoes, mate? So, but then he he um, you know, you could see the family connections. He'd want to ring his mum every recess time and every lunch, and so he'd just come in and we'd let him do that. And he'd always finish off with "Love you, mum," and um, so. I, but I, I'd love to know what he's doing now. I don't, I don't know. I know he, you know, he finished up when he, when he graduated from us. He was a very different young man than when he started. Um, and I think the biggest thing was that when he left us, he had hope. When he started, he didn't. Um, so, yeah, but I think that's probably that they, they didn't have hope for themselves and that they leave with it. That would be a con a, a, a um, constant string through the stories, I think. And such a powerful emotion to feel. I don't know if it's an emotion, if that's the right word, but you know, such a powerful thing to experience, right? Hope. And, and when you're feeling hopeless, you're a very, you're a very different person, right? And you experience the world very differently. Yeah. So that's really positive. Wow. Thank you. Sharing Those that. really tiny little things, like I said to you, the you know the, the cap and the hoodie and the and then you have uh, you know you have an open day and the um, you know, kid who's not spoken to you even though you've said hello to him every morning since he started and then you hear him as he walks past and he's with a 
a mate from out of school and he says, um, you know, I've said hello as usual. And he says, um, it's the first time he said it to me and I kind of stumbled, you know, it's like, yes. And he said, that's my principal first name basis. But, and it's, and you just laugh at those little things. It's those, you know, in their own time. Oh, that's joy. so great. I think, yeah. You know, they, they bring joy. Excellent. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for reminding us about that joy, right? Things can feel hard in the moment and and often do, but that importance of finding that joy and remembering and holding on to that joy is so important. Um, So thank you. I think you've shared so much great stuff with us today. Um, If you were to just tell folks who are kind of closing up the episode, really inspired to to go about their days, about their, their work, um, what is one starting point for people who are trying to inspire hope in, in students and, and trying to lead um, in the way that you've described throughout the episode? Where do you think that first step lies? Gratitude. You know, what are you looking forward to most today? What are you, what are you grateful for? Um, what's the, you know, it might be the smallest, smallest thing, but that, that um, gratitude. So what what are you grateful for? I sit here and I'm grateful that there's the sun is just, just looking so beautiful. It's probably cold outside, but the sun is just so beautiful streaming in at the moment. And and um, you know, the bark you heard before, I'm grateful I've got my dog. She's 15 and a half years old. Um I'm I'm grateful that I have my job. I'm grateful for the people I get to work with. Um I'm I'm looking forward to, even though it's my vacation, I'm looking forward to doing some some work, planning for the students and um, that I'm working with at the moment. I've you know, I'm you know, what what do you need? I think that is what needs to happen. It's got me back teaching in the classroom two days a week at the moment. So um, with kids who live in out-of-home care and um, and loving it. But, yeah, great gratitude, I think, is a great place to start. That's amazing. Thank you. And and I think this this question that I usually ask as, a, as kind of one of the closing questions is really just for fun. Uh, we always kind of see educators and leaders as like kind of these self-described lifelong learners. They're constantly learning and growing and evolving, to your word that you mentioned. And so I'm just curious to know what's something that you have been learning about lately? Um, the Wellbeing Lab. I've spent time with uh, working in the Wellbeing Lab, Michelle McQuaid, um, and positive education and the PERMA model. Um, so Martin Seligman, um, um, those kinds of things. And I think it's, I think the, the biggest learning for me in it was that it's the way I live. It's the way I've always lived. It's the thing I thought I knew a lot about. And in making myself vulnerable to, well, maybe you don't know everything about that. I've learned a lot more. So, um, you know, sometimes it's, oh, yeah, I used to do that. Why did you stop? Oh, I don't know. Start doing that again. And so I don't think it always has to be new learning it can be going back and consolidating um what you uh what you've learned previously 
but I, yeah, I think I, I look at people are trying to come up with the new big best thing. And I don't and I don't think the answer's in the future. I, I actually think the answer's in reflecting backwards and doing what we've known, doing what we do know. I mean, um, Socrates ran Socratic circles. Like, that's it's not new learning that that's a good way to learn. Um, you know, Ken Robinson wandered around the world for a couple of decades saying this is what we should do with huge crowds going, yay, this is what we should do, but don't put it into action. Um, uh, you know, the people, teachers sit in staff meetings going, I hate it when we're not asked what we want to learn, you know, what we're doing and why we're doing this shit at this professional learning day. And But then they completely forget about that when they walk to their class and go turn to page 65 and so it's like people say it's it's not new learning it's just it's not even new thinking it's just new acting it's that's why I think it's the change has to come from going within and if when you go within you find that your motivator is making yourself bigger better uh, or whatever then please get out of public education and go and do something in private industry because um, public education is the place of people who serve. That's so powerful. Those, those reflective kind of moments of pause are things that I think often we skip over because we don't have time or, you know, whatever. And they're so important. And they're the critical moments where we're going to make a decision about what we're teaching tomorrow or pausing to think what is most important. It is actually acknowledging that student who hasn't been acknowledged by anyone yet, not getting through page 65 today in the lesson book. So I really appreciate you naming that. That's right. Pleasure, Lindsay. I think that, um, what am I going to teach tomorrow should be replaced with why am I going to teach that tomorrow? Yeah, that's a great question. That's the big, that's what I mean, be more like a three-year-old. Yeah. Why, why? why? I love yep. it. And finally, um, where can listeners learn more about you or connect with you online or, or, or learn more about your school? Um, on uh, The school is online. Um, at Croydon, Croydon CS, I think it is, .vic.edu.edu.au. If I've got that wrong, it's croydon.cs. So I can I find it on. and link to it in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm actually quite a private person. So I said to you at the beginning, this is the first um, podcast I've done. So I'm not a big one about pushing myself forward I um, um I'm not in a lot of places and, and I think I've just have always done what is right in my little patch what I believe is right in my little patch and um and probably only now in my early 60s starting to speak up and take those opportunities to to believe that maybe stuff I have to say and stuff I know is interesting or of importance or value to others because I just have I think trotted through most of my professional career thinking why doesn't everybody just know this but not 
not not been a big one on self-promotion. Well, I'm so glad that you agreed to come on to the podcast and that you agreed to share all your wisdom because I think it's incredibly valuable and I, I know our listeners will feel the same. So Bronwyn, thank you so much for, for coming on today. Pleasure, Lindsay. Thanks for the invite. Thanks, Mitch, for the connect. <laughs> Thanks for listening, amazing educators. If you loved this episode, you can share it on social media and tag me at Lindsay Beth Lyons or leave a review of the show so leaders like you will be more likely to find it. To continue the conversation, you can head over to our Time for Teachership Facebook group and join our community of educational visionaries. Until next time, leaders, continue to think big, act brave, and be your best self. Thank you.